What's going on, guys? So in this episode, I just kind of wanted to take a look at several things that are currently going on in the NFL in the 2020 season and just basically have a conversation with you about these current events of sorts. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, well, basically, is the, are the New England Patriots done? You know, are they, at least in terms of the 2020 season, obviously we know that with Coach Belichick at the helm there as their head coach and, and really GM as well, we know this team is not going to be down for long. So the question really is, are they, are we going to see a, a, a 2020 season with the Patriots sitting out the playoffs? And well, it starts with, of course, the quarterback, Cam Newton. He has not played well lately, and that pains me to admit. I mean, he last three games, zero touchdowns, five interceptions. That's not like Cam. And he has had two rushing touchdowns, I think, in those, in those games, but still zero pass touchdowns, the five interceptions. That Obviously, you know, you're, you're not going to win games when your quarterback plays like that. But I, I am not going to put it all on Cam. You know, he's not working with a ton there. He wasn't working with a ton of skill position weapons to start with. But that's especially true when you look at the fact that Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry have been out. You know, so now you're, you're really playing with literally, I mean, borderline roster bubble guys like Demir Bird is a in my opinion a, a decent player right he's not he's not a great player he's not a bad player but he's he's basically been their de facto number one receiver so that's a guy that last year in Arizona before DeAndre Hopkins was there was the Cardinals like fourth option at receiver just to kind of contextualize that and you see over there in Arizona this year they're basically not throwing to anybody but Hopkins so that doesn't really you know um speak volumes about the greatness of Demir Bird. But um, I will say, I think Cam can play better and I think he will play better. I think that it's not as bad as it seems because they have, uh, I mean, look, the, the 49ers are a good team, right? So Cam laid an absolute egg in that game, but it was against a very good team. So I kind of understand that. But when you look at it just from the overall team's perspective, the defense, aside from how they are against the run game, because that's just not good, but hey, they did, and guys, we have to remember this. Number one, they literally lost their entire starting linebacker core to free agency. Like Jamie Collins went and signed a big deal somewhere else uh, in Detroit. Van Noy with the Dolphins, you know, and then Landon Roberts also with the Dolphins. So, it, it you know, that's tough when you lose those guys. And then you have Dante, uh, Dante Hightower, who opts out because of COVID. Then you have Patrick Chung who opts out because of COVID. And I think they've lost, you know, a couple other guys too that are, that were like legit starters or quality role players at the least that basically have just, you know, that opt, they had more guys opt out due to COVID than any team in the NFL. So they bring Cam Newton in, you know, late in the, very late in the off season, he comes in and somehow plays really, really well in the first two games of the season. And I think that kind of, set our expectations to a little bit of a, you know, unrealistic level. Like we were all so quick to just be like, oh, it's the Patriots, you know, they're back. And they were only one and one after those two games. They still lost that game in Seattle, even though, you know, they probably, they were right there. I'm not going to say they should have won it, but they were right there. Cam took them right down the field and they lost by one yard. But, um, and Cam had literally like four over 400 yards of offense in that game. So when you combine rushing and, and passing, and he had almost 400 passing yards alone in that game. So, um, that was unbelievable to to come in and, and basically not even know the full playbook and still be thrown for 400 yards. That's nuts. But then COVID happened. Um, I don't think he really had any, you know, symptoms from COVID, but it 
it basically was the disruptor, right? The team couldn't practice for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, or at least two weeks. And Cam couldn't practice, right? So then he came back and uh, obviously he didn't, he kind of had to play a game last week or um, yeah, two weeks ago against the Broncos with basically no practice time. That's a pretty good defense in Denver to, to be having to do that again. So that didn't work out well. Then they get smoked by the 49ers and then, they, you know, obviously they, they, they're, they've been struggling. Cam has been struggling as well. But like I said, I'm not going to put it all on him. Now, I just wanted to, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but I wanted to emphasize the fact that they did lose more than any other team in terms of guys that opted out. And that was on top of losing their two of their starting linebackers or, or at least, yeah, two. two and if you, depending on if you consider Landon Roberts a starter, he was a guy that played significant snaps and he is gone as well. So, that's four linebackers that they just lost and they're replacing them on the fly with very, I mean, Belichick said, said it, um, I think it was yesterday. Basically they sold out to win three Super Bowls, and that's kind of why they're in the position that they're in. And that's partly true. I mean, that's mainly true, right? Like they, they are in the position that they're in because, well, like the opt outs, like we said, they didn't have any money to resign any of the guys that, um, that they had to let walk, which let's be honest, Belichick, probably would have let most of those guys walk anyways but still you know and now they're in a position where they they gave up a second round pick last year for Mohamed Sanu that's a difficult one to swallow considering Sanu averaged like seven yards a catch in New England or eight yards a catch it was awful and you know offensively they are the cupboard is bare man the, the cupboard is very bare and but on the defensive side of the ball and this is just sheer Belichick the greatest coach undeniably in my opinion the greatest coach to ever live but here's the part of it that i think a lot of people you know kind of miscast belichick as so he is their gm and their head coach right and he he's the coach that kind of works with both sides of the ball he's not just a defensive guy but that's where his forte is or at least that's what he got brought up on as a coach uh, defense coordinator for the giants back in the parcells days and all that and clearly the defense is still good. Somehow, some way, the defense is still overall good, aside from, like I was saying earlier, the fact that they can't stop the run. They are 12th in points per game allowed. They're fourth in pressures, and they don't get a lot of sacks. They're like uh, bottom five in the league, I think, in sacks. But they still generate a ton of pressures, and that's really done with coaching. You know, it's just scheming up pressure looks and, and getting there, or at least getting there to you know to qualify as a pressure. Fourth most interceptions, and uh, you know, like I said, man, they're just they're a team that defensively they're still good. Unfortunately, they can't stop the run. They even, uh, you know, couldn't stop the run against Buffalo this past weekend when the Bills have been a team that cannot run the ball at all. But, uh, you know, when I look at their schedule and I think, are they out of the mix for for this year's playoffs? I think most likely, yes, but I still am not ready to throw in the towel just yet because, like I said, they have the greatest coach in the history of football, but he's also let's face it he's not the greatest gm in the history of football right he's a good he's he's a you know half decent gm a phenomenal by far in my opinion the greatest coach of all time so that's kind of where i see belichick and when i look at cam newton you know for for cam to let's say his first two games he plays great right then last three games you know after the kind of disrupted rhythm from covid and a cup in let's face it, he's also played some good defenses the niners broncos and bills um and zero, zero touchdown passes the five interceptions i think it's two touchdown runs to five picks and then and then a lost fumble as well which obviously that was devastating for them 
or for him on Sunday. But when I look at Cam, I think what's more likely him to continue on the, the streak that he's been on for the last three games or for him to to kind of catch fire again and go back to that early season Cam? I think the most likely course of action is for him to at least be somewhere in the middle, even without any weapons, right? I think just Cam Newton being the good quarterback that he still is, I think will will kind of reverse course to at least the medium between those two. And we'll see a decent to good Cam, uh, you know, for the, for the rest of the season, somewhere at least an average to slightly above average quarterback, I think is his floor. So when I look at this team, um, obviously like the, the skill player talent isn't coming this year. They don't have the resources or the, you know, that they can't take on any big contracts. They don't have any cap room. Uh, but I think I honestly believe they'll find eight wins. And I think nine and seven, just looking at their schedule, it's not an easy schedule. I think nine and seven is the ceiling, but that might be good enough for a seven seed. You know, it really might be. So I, I think that um, I'm definitely not ready to say they're done, but I understand if you're a Patriots fan, how you are not looking on to this the rest of the season from a very optimistic standpoint. So, all right. Um, some other news right now. Uh, the Titans and Bears have each lost two games in a row, and they are set to square off. And, you know, the last thing you want to do, and these two teams were off to very hot starts, you know, especially the Titans at five and zero, I think, and now they're five and two. Um, Tennessee has lost two in a row, and uh, like I said, the Bears have also lost two in a row. So the last thing you want to do is lose three straight games, and I think this game is a bit more important for the Titans because of when you look at the Titans' schedule. Let me just read off the teams they're playing after the Bears. So they've got the Bears this week, of course, and they got the Colts, Ravens, Colts, Browns, Jaguars. So it lightens up there. Then the Lions, who have not been a pushover, the Packers, and then the Texans, who, despite their record, just played the uh, Titans very tough just two weeks ago. So um, I think that it's not a definitely not a cakewalk of a schedule. I mean, let's say they split with the Colts, they lose to the Ravens. I would, I mean, they could beat them, but I'd say they, you know, they're going to win maybe four more games that I would call at least right they, they'd at least win four more so that puts them at nine and seven if they lose this one so that, it's just a, a i don't think they can afford to lose this game and the bears their schedule even eases up eases up a little bit after this they played the vikings uh the packers the lions the texans vikings again jaguars and then the packers so it's you know obviously there's no cakewalk schedule in the nfl but i think that if, if you just look at that objectively, these two teams, you would say the Titans have the tougher road after this. So I would imagine the Titans will be um, the more desperate team. And, I, and to be honest, I kind of think they're a little bit better than Chicago anyways. Their, their defense has obviously been awful, but where they're strong offensively, Chicago has been a little bit vulnerable. And that's against the run, especially with a big bruising power back like Derrick Henry. You know, I think that... Um, I'm not going to predict this game right now, but I'm just going to look at it and say, I think that it's more important to the Tennessee Titans because, well, they're at home, you know, so they get that kind of just that less travel and things like that. I know there's not many fans, if any, in their stadium right now, but I think that still matters uh, at least a little bit, you know, even for just psychological, psychological reasons. But yeah, man, I think that this game is obviously one of the most critical games of week nine. And I think it's just a little bit more important to the Titans. And whereas the Bears, I mean, Tennessee lost a bad game last week against the the Bengals, right? In Cincy, they get kind of 
you know, handled by the Bengals, believe it or not. In the previous week, they lost to the Steelers, whereas the Bears lost to the Saints last week in a you know close game. But I just think, you know, I just think, like I said, it's more important to the Titans and, and you know, for Chicago, the good thing for them is when you look at who Green Bay's playing this week, Green Bay's playing the 49ers. So if you're if you're a Bear fan and you guys you'll know the results of the Green Bay San Francisco game. And I know San Francisco is all sorts of dinged up. And this is also my next topic. I'm going to get into the Packers and, and 49ers game just briefly. Um, the Packers are basically running back list. Like they have no running backs. San Francisco is obviously all banged up with uh, Jimmy G going to be out for the you know, next few games, at least it sounds like. And George Kittle also possibly done for the season. When you look at that, it's just it's very difficult to uh, to get, you know, to kind of like it's easy to assume that San Francisco is done. But but when I look at it, I think, well, I mean, you know what? They have Kyle Shanahan still and they're kind of still okay, right? Because Nick Mullins is a solid backup quarterback, in my opinion. He's a guy that can come in and win you some games. And when you look at how the Packers and 49ers matched up last year, the 49ers literally smoked them both times. Like they, the Packers had no answer for the run game. And, uh, and even without the, the starting running backs for the Niners, I think that they'll be able to run the football with Hasty and, and Jerick McKinnon. So uh, to me, I looked at the early line to this game, and the Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. That was mind-boggling to me on the road on a, on a short week. Five-and-a-half-point favorites. Why is that critical, or why is this game critical for the Packers, aside from just being in a tight division race? Well, if they lose this game, that would mean Green Bay has now lost three out of four games, right? And, I mean, to lose three of four, the only thing saving you is if the Chicago Bears lose their third in a row. Like, it's it's crazy how the schedule's kind of lined up in this way. but, um, But, yeah, I mean, either way, even if you if you're the Packers and you lose this game and the Bears still lose and you're still in first place, it's not how you want to, you know, kind of, it's not how you want to be in your season to, to lose three or four, but obviously Vegas is, is, uh, you know, thinking very highly of green Bay in this game is five and a half point favorites to start, to start off the, um, the bidding, so to speak that for the week. But uh, yeah, man, I, when I look at, and just the green Bay running back situation, we now know basically their top three running backs are out. And the only other guys they have in the roster are Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin. So I know na- uh, natural fantasy football player instincts will have us racing to the waiver wire to pick up one of the two guys. And I just want to say, I wouldn't do it because I liked, and I liked Dexter Williams coming out of Notre Dame. I thought he was a, a solid player. Um, and you know, he, I could see him having a good game, but when I look at it, I just think that they're going to have to win this game mainly on the strength of Aaron Rodgers' right arm, right? I really believe that that's kind of the place they're going to go with this game in this game plan because San Francisco is a top 10 run defense, top five pass defense. But I think that when you're looking at your, your fourth and fifth string running backs, I think you're probably just going to lean on your Hall of Fame quarterback. So I would imagine that it'll be a bunch of Aaron Rodgers. And, and that's also a very risky proposition because – you're playing a pass rush that can get after it. You know, San Francisco is one of the one of the best defenses in the NFL and one of the best pass rushes, even with all these injuries. So um, I think the five and a half point spread is is large. And yeah, I think that um, we'll see. Honestly, I, I'm 
favoring the 49ers just a little bit in this game just because of the matchup, man. I think Vegas is highly overrating. Um, I think they're not really thinking of the matchup. In, in Even without Jimmy G and without the running backs and without Kittle and without all these guys, I think Green Bay – I mean, I think uh, San Francisco is still a very difficult matchup for the Packers. So, yeah, so that brings me to my next – um, thought here is should Green Bay trade for Will Fuller? I'm, I've seen a lot of different people talking about this on uh, on the internet, and basically, a lot of people are are you know kind of like uh, thinking that the Packers should give up you know a first second round pick, and there's some people that think the Packers should wait and just draft a, a receiver next year. But here's the thing about that: when you when you're the Packers, right, and you are definitely a there's there's still a Super Bowl contending team, okay. If it were me, if I was the GM of Green Bay right now, and, and they're like, hey, should we trade for Will Fuller? I'd probably say I'm open to that, right? I'd give him a fourth or fifth round pick, you know what I mean? Because I think we'll get that we'll get that back with the comp pick the following year um, because Will Fuller will, will undoubtedly sign at least a, you know, eight to $10 million annual deal with some team next year. And then if you're the team that, trades for him and then you let him walk you'll get that pick back a year later so i'm totally fine with that i wouldn't give up a day two pick i wouldn't give up definitely wouldn't give up first round pick or, or second or third round pick like i said so um but what i would be more interested in in using my resources on if i were the new gm and the green bay packers would be to you know give me another guy on defense like give me a linebacker give me a you know, just give me somebody on defense that can help me stop the run. You know, they should have been a prime candidate to trade for the big uh, Jets nose tackle that the Bucks just traded for. The Bucks, you have to respect the the front office of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the way they acted so fast to get to get. I think McClendon is his name in there right after they saw what their defense looked like without Vita Vey. You know, they they immediately traded for the big nose tackle, and I think that if you're the Packers, you need to somehow, some way improve this run defense and i would be more apt to make a trade for somebody that can help me that way than i would to trade for will fuller but i guess if you if we're just assuming that you can't get anybody to improve your defense i'm totally fine with trading for fuller i think he is in a need and he's a good fit in this offense i think he'd be a nice compliment uh to Devonte adams for sure but look I think that I've said it before about this Green Bay team. I think they can they have no issue scheming open receivers, right? I think that's not their problem. Um, I don't I don't think they'll be able to do that so much this week against San Francisco because well they they're down to their fourth and fifth string running backs who basically have no experience being a lead back in and they're going to be asked to do that at least at least fifty fifty. Um, but yeah, so I think that would I be looking to trade for Will Fuller? Yeah, I'm totally fine with that, but I'd much rather use my resources on a, a guy that could help me stop the run because no matter what they say about, like, you know, this is a passing league now, this, that, and the other, look, the Packers' pass defense is pretty good. Like, that, that's just the, the truth of it. When you look at who they are as a passing defense personnel-wise, they have good players, right? They have, a, they have guys that can rush the passer. They have, you know, they have a secondary they can cover, but – how what their Achilles heel is is in what we've saw last year in both 49ers games and also what we just saw last week against the the uh, Minnesota Vikings with Dalvin Cook is their run defense and any given game when you just allow 200 yards rushing and you know four touchdowns like Dalvin Cook had last week I think we had one receiving but point remains the running back went crazy on them and look you're not going to be able to win some there are going to be games that you cannot win because you can't stop the run. So that's just point blank period to expand on that. in my old school 
football beliefs, I just want to throw a quick little stat at you. Um, look, there, there are teams that there are a lot of people that believe that secondary is more important than pass rush. And I just want to basically finish this podcast on this thought alone, right? So the teams with the most interceptions this season, let me read these teams off to you first. Colts with 11, Bucks with 11, uh, Steelers with 11, um, sorry, Steelers with 10, Patriots with nine, Chiefs with nine, Titans with nine, Seahawks with nine, Washington football team with eight, San Francisco with eight, and Cincy with eight. Of those 10 teams, of the top 10 teams in interceptions, right? Of those 10 teams, seven of them are are in the top 10 in pressures, right? Seven. And that's obviously the Colts, Bucks, Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs, um, Washington, 49ers, and yeah, that's it. So the Seahawks are, are a defense that just, let's face it, the scheme and the just overall opportunistic nature of Seattle is kind of what causes them to be up there. And honestly, they're not, they do get more pressure than, than people think. It's just not with rushing four, right? When they had Jamal Adams, they were actually, you know, at times showing that they could be a good pressure team. They're blitzing a lot more, but they are a defense that just Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. And he has his guys being very opportunistic. The Titans are kind of in the same mold. Um, and then the Bengals, you know, I really couldn't tell you. I, I think I thought they were a better pressure team, but they're actually 30th in pressures, and they aren't a team that necessarily strikes fear into the heart of offensive lines. But um, when I look at this, though, even on just a limited sample size of 10 teams, you know, you see how many interceptions these guys are getting eight in, in you know seven eight games for these for these teams. And it's really a direct result of the pressure. Like San Francisco, for example, they're they're down Richard Sherman. They're down, you know, they, they don't have much in the way of a flashy name in the secondary. And I understand Jason Barrett has played well. But when you look at it, they're fifth in pressures and they are they have eight interceptions. So in the top ten in interceptions. So that just kind of goes to show you that at the end of the day, excuse me, you can say you know, it's a passing league. You got to load up on secondary, but there are plenty of teams with great secondaries and so subpar pass rushes. And they're, they're not up here. They're not getting any interceptions. You know what I mean? So when you look at a team like the Baltimore Ravens, a team that does get pressure, but a team that has to blitz almost 50% of the time, they are now the Ravens are leading the NFL in blitzes uh, by percentage of their defensive plays. And they've only intercepted three passes. It's because that's why they traded for Yannick Ngakwe. They couldn't get a ton of pressure without blitzing. They couldn't get much pressure without blitzing. So they went ahead and traded for one of the better edge rushers in the league. And that will allow them to play a little bit more coverage, which will in turn likely lead to more interceptions, or at least that's the plan. And that's kind of what, how I view it working as well. So, um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we can we can say, is it good to have a, a great secondary? Of course it is. <clears throat> it's 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 vital to have a great secondary. Um, but I just think that pass rush is by far the most important element of pass defense, because at the end of the day, when a quarterback is able to step up into a clean pocket and wait for a receiver to get open, the receiver, no matter, even if it's Demir Bird, no disrespect to Demir Bird, but even if it's a guy like Demir Bird or Hunter Osheski or whatever his name is for the Patriots, um, they will get open. 
they will eventually they will get open. And 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 one thing that remains to be a fact is, I think it was Dave Gettleman that said this: a quarterback cannot throw the ball when he's on his back, right? Because he's down. So there's no there's no like you know there's no way around that. You know what I mean? So if the, if the, if the pressure, and then we also have seen on many occasions, what Sam Darnold said last year against the Patriots, who ironically, they play the Patriots this week. Sam Darnold said, I'm seeing ghosts out there, right? Like it, it, and he wasn't seeing ghosts because he was able to step up into a nice, comfy, cozy pocket and, and look down the field and couldn't find anybody open. He was seeing ghosts because when he hit his back foot, he was being swarmed by pass rushers. You know what I mean? And, and, and oh, by the way, that defense last year for the Patriots, they could also completely shut down his entire receiving core. So that, that's kind of, you know, something to look at there. But, you know, that, that's the gist of it, guys. Pass rush is more important than coverage. I appreciate you guys for listening, and I will be back on tomorrow with, uh, who knows, with some good stuff, though. Thanks.